0: Welcome to Flip the Script Podcast News. All right, we got a lot to get into today, so we're gonna get right into it. But first, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, hit the share button, share this podcast with your friends. Give me a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Give me that five-star review. Let's get into it. All right, let's see. We got a, there was a military coup in Guinea. This is from Al Jazeera. Many Guineans celebrate as soldiers seize power. Mutinying soldiers in the West African nation of Guinea detained President Alpha Condi after hours of heavy gunfire rang out near the presidential palace in Conakry. Hundreds of people celebrated on the streets with members of Guinea's armed forces after Condi's arrest. The coup makers announced on state television on Sunday the government had been disinvolved. They also announced plans to replace Guinea's governors with regional military commanders. The country's borders were closed and its constitution declared invalid in the announcement read by Army Colonel Mamadi. The duty of a soldier is to save the country, he said. A video emerged showing the 83-year-old Condi looking tired and disheveled in military custody. Condi, in power for more than a decade, had seen his popularity plummet since he saw a third term last year, saying term limits did not apply to him. All right, So that's an interesting thing. We will be keeping an eye on that. Let's see. Taliban said that it took over the last part of Afghanistan that was giving it resistance in Panjshir. I apologize if I'm saying that word wrong. But for the residents of that area, they have some concerns. This is also from Al Jazeera. Growing concerns for Panjassir residents as Taliban claimed victory. Kabul, Afghanistan, for the last three weeks, Ahmed Massoud, the son of the late anti-Taliban leader Ahmed Sa Massoud, has been leading the armed resistance against the Taliban rule in Panjassir, the only province to evade the Taliban's rapid takeover of Afghanistan last month. The 32-year-old, who was trained at the British Military Academy in Sandhurst, is following in his father's footsteps. The elder Massoud also led an armed resistance against the Taliban rule in the 1990s. But whereas the father's resistance was able to relay constant updates in several languages, Ahmed's National Resistance Front has faced great difficulty in sending out information from the northern providence since the Taliban cut off phone and internet access last week. The viral media blackout has led to an imbalance of information from the front lines of the battle of the Taliban in Panjshir. In recent days, Panjshirs in Kabul and abroad have faced great difficulty in getting updates from their families back home. One Panjshir civilian in his tweets who did not want to reveal his identity for safety reasons told Al Jazeera by telephone that the situation in Providence was dire and troubling for the 130,000 people trapped there. He said that Panjshir Panjashir is currently facing a massive shortage in basic necessities. For the last week, the Taliban have blocked the road from Kabul to Panjshir, which makes it nearly impossible for goods to get into the valley. Whatever food people had in their homes, that's what they've been eating for weeks. Now the stores bazaars are all empty, he said. The young man, who like thousands of others, fled from districts in the heart of the providence of the mountainous areas of the Taliban forces. Advanced in recent days, medical facilities in Panjshir have also experienced shortages. I have sick people in my family and I have no way of helping them, he said. At this news conference on Monday, the Taliban spokesperson said that the providence was now fully under control of the Islamic Emirate. As the group refers to itself. The peoples living in the proud valley of Panjshir are an integral part of the national body. They are our brothers. There's no bias against them. All the rights that our other countrymen have, the people of Panjshir will also have. (sighs) All right, so this is a... Imagine, put yourself in that situation. Let's say you're living in whatever state. Let's say you're in... Let's say you live in Maine. United States is taken over and Maine is the last resistance, the last part of the country where there is no enemy forces occupying that area. And then they take over and now they're having their will taken out on you as you feel that you're a free man, you're a free individual and you want to live the way that you want to live. And this terrorist organization comes in and takes over. It's a bad situation to be in. Let's see. Hundreds await the clearance to leave Afghanistan's Mazar airport. The U.S. President Joe Biden's administration is facing mounting pressure amid reports that several hundred people, including Americans, have been prevented for a week from flying out of the airport in northern Afghanistan. Marina Legree, the founder and executive director of a small U.S. non-governmental organization active in Afghanistan said on Monday that some 600 to 1,300 people, including girls from her group, have been waiting near the Mazar-e-Sharif airport for as long as a week amid confusion involving the Taliban and U.S. officials. The number is understood to include 19 Americans, though none are with Legree's group. Those waiting are being housed in various places in the city, she said. It's been seven days and nothing's moving, Legree told AFP, adding that six charter planes were waiting at the airport to evacuate what some officials are calling the NGO group. The Taliban are simply not letting anyone move. Her Virginia-based organization, which trains Afghan girls in leadership through physical activities like mountain climbing, is trying to evacuate a small group of girls and young women, all ages 16 to 23, and a few family members. All are Hazara an ethnic minority in Afghanistan that faced severe repression when the Taliban controlled the country from 1996 to 2001. She told the U.S. broadcaster MSNBC on Monday that some of her group had been called to go into Kabul airport last week where they were on plane manifests but were not able to get in during the chaotic U.S. airlift. Some are really confused as to why they're still sitting in Mazar-e-Sharif. We're not privy to the overall picture. I'm not sure if it's purely about money and what exactly is at stake here, but what we do know is we have women at risk and they can't go back. We've got to go. Legree, who has worked in Afghanistan since 2005 for aid groups and U.S. agencies, expressed frustration with the role of the U.S. State Department in clearing its flights. The group's departure had seemed imminent until a few days ago when planning suddenly stopped. Uh, The State Department spokesperson on Monday said that while the U.S. is committed to helping Americans and at-risk Afghans leave, its resources in Afghanistan are seriously limited. We do not have personnel on the ground. We do not have air assets in the country. We do not control the airspace, whether over Afghanistan or anywhere else in the region The spokesperson told AFP, we've given these constraints. We do not have a reliable means to confirm the basic details of charter flights, including who may be organizing them, the number of U.S. citizens and other minority groups on board, the accuracy of the manifest. We will hold the Taliban to its pledge to let people freely part Afghanistan. Satellite images from the airport from September 3rd show six aeroplanes on the runway and other outside terminal buildings. Uh the Biden uh Biden's Republican opposition has seized on the situation. Uh Republicans pounce. <laughs> uh Dan Bongino says all the time, and anytime that there's something that the Democrats do, it's not about what the Democrats did. It's always the Republicans' response to it, and it's always the Republicans pounce or Republicans seize on the situation. Let's continue, it says, which come at the time when his popularity has fallen sharply amid concerns about the Afghanistan evacuation, the mid-year surge, and the mid-year surge in COVID-19 cases. Michael McCall, the top Republican on the House Foreign Affairs Committee, suggested Sunday that Taliban was holding the group as part of uh, pressure negotiations with Washington. The fair... He said on Fox News was turning into a hostage situation where they're not going to allow American citizens to leave until they get full recognition from the United States. But Legree said that she would not characterize the situation that way. Nobody is guarding the door, she said, even if her concerns has grown in the days past. It isn't resolved very soon. We're worried for the physical safety of the girls, she said. A small group of Afghan women on Monday, march through the streets of Mazar-e-Sharif calling for the Taliban to respect their rights. We see no going back. One banner read. The Taliban said women's rights will be respected under Sharia law, but have not made clear what that will mean. Some women in Kabul have been sent home from their jobs. See, um, this is like word judo that the Taliban is playing here. It says that all women's rights will be respected under Sharia law. So that means that, in the scope of Sharia law, the women's rights will will be respected, which means that the only rights that they have is under the Sharia law. So if they're not going to have the same rights that they have before. They're not going to have the same rights that they have in the U.S. and in Europe and in other places of the world. It's going to be restricted to what the parameters of what Sharia law says. So. And to our standards, their standards in the West, they have no rights. But the Taliban says they have rights under severe law. So it means that only in that parameter is where they're gonna have their rights. It is imperative for the State Department now to do everything in its power to facilitate these planes safe arrival at our air base in Doha, where they're clear to land, he added. All right. So let's continue. So Turkey, Turkey is realigning its ties with Egypt and other Gulf rivals. All uh, right, Turkish and Egyptian officials will gather around the table on Tuesday amid thaw of relations between Turkey and its Arab neighbors after nearly a decade of mutual distrust and often outright hostility. The Ankara meeting in the deputy foreign minister level is the second round of Turkey-Egypt talks following May's Cairo summit, which had been the first Direct high level discussions between the two countries since 2013. The contract is the latest between Turkey and the Arab states, it fell out with in the wake of the 2011 Arab Spring, which saw anti government movements across the Middle East and North Africa unseat a number of long time rulers and threaten others. Turkey, which backed groups close to the Muslim Brotherhood, saw its chance to seize a leading role in the region and press Arab regimes to reform in the face of popular protest. Instead, many of those who supported suffered its setbacks, and Ankara found itself isolated. Egypt: The wedge was driven between the two countries in 2013 when military chief Abdel Fattah disposed President Mohamed Morsi, a Muslim Brotherhood leader and Turkish ally. Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates also emerged as strong rivals to Turkey, as both saw Muslim Brotherhood as a threat to the ruling dynasties. Differences with the Saudis were highlighted following the 2018 murder of Saudi journalist Jamal Khashoggi at the Sunni consulate in Istanbul. The Turkish president pointed the finger in blame at the de facto Saudi ruler, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman's, also known as MBS, and her circle. Also... Blinken is to testify before the Senate panel next week on Afghanistan. This is according to The Hill. Blinken will appear before the Senate Foreign Relations Committee on Tuesday, September 14th to testify about the administration's withdrawal from Afghanistan. It is the first scheduled public hearing with the administration officials since late last month when Blinken administration was caught off guard by the rapid collapse of the Afghan government and in the advance of the Taliban into Kabul. Senate Foreign Relations Committee hearing is set to be on the examining the U.S.'s withdrawal from Afghanistan. Blinken is the only witness currently listed for the hearing. And a spokesperson for the Senate Foreign Relations Committee Chairman Robert Menendez didn't immediately respond to questions about potential testimony from additional administration officials. The hearing likely marks the start of what is expected to be a lengthy public grueling in administration officials in Congress amid a slew of unanswered questions about Biden's exit plan in Afghanistan, including how the White House was caught off guard with the swift collapse of the U.S.-backed government and how to get remaining Americans and Afghan allies out of the country. So It's not hard, folks. It's not hard to understand. It's not hard to see that this was done intentionally by the administration for whatever reason They allowed the Taliban to take control. They knew it was going to happen. They did it anyway. I don't know if they were trying to cause a crisis. I don't know if they were going to try to blame the former administration, have this thing totally collapse and try to blame Trump. That didn't work out. So I don't really know what their motives were. I really hope it wasn't Senator motives. But when the writing's on the wall, nothing else makes sense malfeasance is the only thing that sometimes makes sense. There are people in our government that have other interests outside of the best interests of the United States, so who knows what is going on behind the scenes. All right, but that's it for Flip the Script Podcast News. I hope you liked the video. I hope you hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, hit the share button, and also give me that five-star review. All right, this is Flip the Script Podcast News out. Thank you for watching.